When chaos begins to emerge in our world, where can we go to remind ourselves of hopeful humans that are helping to create a more compassionate world? Each month in the Restorative Pulse podcast, tune in as we feature thought leaders creating innovation, innovative change in our world and in our systems, from the macro level to the micro level, in our schools, healing spaces, and beyond. I'm Julie Johnson, founder of Integrate Network, and this is the Restorative Pulse podcast. to the cloud. All right. Hey, everyone. It's Julie Johnson, founder of um, Integrate Network and the Restorative Pulse Podcast. Actually, I'm more of a uh, co-founder. just went off. Okay. Um, Co-founder of Integrate. And um, I have Laura May here, who is, uh, she's a, um, an emotional freedom technique, um, is it practitioner? Is that the word? Or yeah. is it coach? Okay. Practitioner. Okay. Pr- practitioner. Um, hi- hypnosis practitioner. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and she's also a middle school uh, math, which I love. I love all of those together. And we're going to talk about like kind of how those all kind of sort of go together in a really cool way. Um, but first, Laura, I mean, why don't you talk more about yourself and kind of your, you know, your path of human service delivery in all these different ways. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I am Lara May um, with The Activated Life, which is my life coaching brand. So I'm a life coach. And within that, I also do hypnosis. I do emotional freedom techniques, which is tapping um, and just a big scope of things with the clients, kind of depending on what they want. And like Julie said, Outside of that, I am a middle school reading teacher. I've been that for six years, which was kind of a perfect integration into the life coaching aspect, helping others reach their focus. Like my favorite part about teaching is building relationships. And that's what coaching is, helping others see their full potential. So it just made sense when life coaching kind of came into my life and I found out about it. And so I've been doing that for about, a year now the life coaching is still relatively it's new it's on the forefront but it's something that is picking up it's something that I am super passionate about because I get to take everything I've learned from six years of teaching and bring that to my clients which are essentially students um, Mm -hmm. and teach them in a different way all of these different skills depending on what their needs are what they're going through what transformation they want so it was a perfect mashup and while I'm doing both they complement each other that's awesome and and that's cool and I think that's what I I always love about teachers who kind of venture into like the whatever human healing world as well um is you you start to see the, the integration and the overlap you're like that's you're like that's a generalized skill you know you start to be like there's there's a generalized skill between coaching and reading you know and and so, I mean, you, and that's like how a lot of educators think you're like, and then it, the math, the reading thing, we can also cover in social studies and then social studies, we can cover, you know, so you just, you just don't stop once you start to kind of realize, you know, there's all these overlaps and things when you have to like write a lesson plan, you're like, and then we can do that in coaching. And you know, so it's really cool. 
Yeah. Especially like with coaching being new, it's as I was learning more, I was like, oh my gosh, I could apply this to my classroom. Thinking about my, while I was going through my certification, I was thinking more about my classroom than even my coaching. I was like, oh, I could use this with my students. I could use this with my students. Um, and then just being able to slowly integrate that with my, um, I had a girls leadership group at school uh, last year. And so being able to integrate some of those leadership things, being able to teach them some of those empowerment practices um, last year, I, was, I could see that crossover. And now that I've been out of the classroom, well, teaching virtually, but for a year, seeing more how, focusing more on the coaching, when I go back into the classroom, I have so many things that I'm like, I can't wait to put these into action once I'm with kids again. That's awesome. And so one thing you're bringing up is we're talking, we're talking about this concept and I brought it up on the platform before, and I've gotten a lot of compliments on bringing it up because it's something we talk about in the world of education ex exceptionally, but it's valid across the board. And that's differentiation. Differ we call it differentiated instruction. I call it differentiated learning. So, and everyone, and I do mean this, this is a Julie thing for sure, but like, I do mean this, this is an, an opinion and I do think a fact. Everyone, if you work with humans needs to learn how to differentiate. I really believe that. Like, I was like, if you're a therapist, you are teaching. If you are working with humans, you are teaching. And um, that's like my whole thing is I'm like, if it doesn't matter if you're a clinician, if you're, if you have a therapist term in your title, you're still teaching skills, which means differentiation is still applicable. <laughs> yeah, 100%. There's no one size fits all for pretty much anything, whether, like you said, whether you're a yoga instructor, whether I'm coaching clients, even if all three clients want to focus on getting more organized, that's going to look different for every single client. If five of my students need to get better at reading comprehension, the tools they need are going to look different for each and every student. And so it's really, yeah, regardless of what you're doing from like just cash register, like managing, interacting with people to being on a podcast with somebody, whatever, there's differentiation included because each person is different and flows mm -hmm. and functions and um, is successful differently. Absolutely. And I think that that's like, and I, I it seems that that's, I think for, from like, cause we, we started out, I mean, I technically, technically we are trauma informed obviously, but like, I'm always like, you know, that's what we, we see a lot on our platform was what I've been talking about, you know, for a long time was I was like, trauma-informed care is, is access is it, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a form of, of accessibility for someone with psych with, with they need psychological access. Right. And, um, and that, and that it means differentiated instruction, you know, like, you know, and that means you're going to do more choice making, which everyone needs, you know, everyone needs agency so that, you know, so it's, it's just, it, anyway, it got me in, into thinking that I remember when all of this stuff started like 10 years or whatever, like almost a decade ago, you know, it's been like, and it started, it's like watching, you know, in the school system and we were thing called trauma-informed care came out and I was like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a special educator and, and an accessibility specialist. Like that's all, that's what we do. Like, that's like, we've been, this is not new. Like for, for those of us that work in like with, with, you know, learners that adaptive learners, you know, it's like, this isn't new. We adapt all the time. It's just 
I don't know what happened, but you know, but that got me thinking like how much like the cool thing about like this concept of trauma-informed care is that people are like, oh, we need to think differently, especially in the, the gen ed department. It was like, oh, we need to think differently. We can't just talk at the kids. You know, it was like, no, you can't. <laughs> Right. Um, and that just doesn't work for some kids. Some kids, it doesn't even work. We've seen this over the past year. Some of them thrive not being in that physical classroom environment. As much as there are arguments mm -hmm. for kids need to be in school, some kids do not. Just like like, like my daughter. <laughs> your, yeah, your child is thriving, loving it. Mm -hmm. And we realized that that is just so accessible. When I was teaching online, I had students so I got in a weird position where I got my kids from last year when I started teaching virtually. So seeing kids that I had in the classroom who were quiet would never share out being the most active in the Zoom chat because now they had an opportunity to share without that risk factor of speaking out loud and eyes on them. They got these, these tools, these simple tools that are so easily integrated that it's not weird it's just it is weird i guess that it's taken so long and it took this pandemic for mm -hmm. people to, to for people to see so many tools that have been there for a very long time that could have been used for a very long time amen yes exactly exactly that's what i and so it's interesting to me like even in so i look at like the yoga world too and i look at like kind of what's the thread of human service delivery which is i'm just calling anything that's like social work anything with human teaching yoga teaching coaching whatever you know like we so this online thing has been here for so long i mean really like we come on zoom has been around for like what like like eight years Okay, you know, like almost a decade. Zoom is not new. And so, um, and so, and I used to use it a little bit, but then all of a sudden, you know, whenever I remember whenever we used to be like online stuff, people would be like, oh, we can't do that. And then all of a sudden, when COVID happened, we were like, we have to do that, right? And so then we're learning about differentiated instruction now, which is why this is applicable. I mean, it's always been applicable, but like now it's more applicable, even more necessary. Like we can't turn away from it, right? So for you, like, what do you see from like a coaching standpoint? Like how does, how have you seen like your, the differentiated instruction, like besides, besides just doing things differently, how does that look for like, from like a coaching angle? So what's weird is, so I started my certification in November of 2019. So all of my practice, all my everything was done virtually. So I had like, I've done everything. I, all my hypnosis sessions have been virtual and people are like, oh, that's weird. I didn't realize that could happen. You know, all of my coaching sessions have been virtual and that allows me um, to reach people that I probably wouldn't have been able to reach before and work with people that I wouldn't have been able to necessarily work with before if I was only in an in-person environment. Um, I've learned just like, um, even just like access to time. Like I work with people who are single mothers or don't have time to meet with me for a this hour consultation and this and this. So finding tools like um, simple as like voice notes or creating my teacher brain. I create graphic organizers that they can, <laughs> that they can fill out and that yeah. I can look back and come back with questions and feedback and we can really narrow it down. Um, creating custom scripts, custom programs for the clients versus just 
okay, here's the formula. We're going to go through step one, two, three, four. I hope that you feel better on the other side. Um, you know, and it's, but that's how some people teach and that's how some people coach is like, here's my formula, ABC, it works always. And maybe that does work. Maybe there's a formula, but I, people are different. People all function differently. And I don't think that a one-way formula is the best way to serve anyone. Maybe having an outline, you know, a graphic organizer, like a teacher brain, have an outline, have a plan. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. be open and willing and malleable to change to fit mm -hmm. what that person needs, just like you would on an IEP. On an IEP. <laughs> or yeah, IEP 504, or just with any kids, any students, because right. every student, regardless of if they've been, every person, regardless of if they've been put on a plan to show right. that they, they need something different, everyone needs something different. Different. And, and, and that's the part, I mean, that's, that's kind of that concept of universal design that I'm, that, that, you know, that, that I teach on and train on and that Tasha does too, who works with me in the school system is that, is that when we bring in this universal design, it's that the universal design is that everyone has needs, right. And everyone know, and yes, sometimes we need to look at, so if you're doing a group, this is like for a group setting. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to need to, for that day, this is for those that do any kind of group, like whether you do therapy groups, teach in a classroom, you know, coaching groups, you, you know, being able to notice who has, who has the greatest need for intervention based off cognitive access, psychological access and physical access is really important because you will use a modification then, you know, and, and modifications can be what, what that person's specific needs are. May that, maybe that means shortening like giving them three things on a coach on a worksheet versus, you know, 10 steps, yeah. you know? <laughs> no, definitely. And like, you just have to break it down different. Some, I was working with a client and I was like, do you want to focus on a whole year big goal or is three months feel better? Cause they, for them, it was like a year out did not make sense to them in their brain. And so we were able to take it, chunk it down, break down into three months break those three months down into smaller steps by week, by day, because that's what they needed. Some people can yeah. say, okay, I want this by December 31st. These 10 steps need to happen. Some people <laughs> that yeah. is just that they will get lost in that. If it's that loose, um, same with students, you're like, okay, write a paragraph. Some kids <laughs> can go and write a paragraph. I have kids who write them, students who write amazing paragraphs. If I'm just like, you need to write four to five sentences about this. Great. Some students don't not that they don't know, they just don't know exactly where to start. Like, what is that starting point? So, you know, just like anything, sentence stems, outlines, examples, like you said, all kinds of ways to break it down. Or maybe they write three sentences, not five. You know, it's if we can do that so easily in the classroom, and that makes sense, I would assume to anyone listening, it makes sense that some kids write three and some kids write five. If you're in education, that I would assume that makes sense, but that doesn't have to just be for the classroom. You yeah. Know, that's working for my clients. That's working for, I think any type of employee, you could have one employee to make 25 calls a day. Maybe that's one employee makes 15. Right. You know, just, it doesn't have to be just in the classroom for that differentiation conversation to happen. Yeah. And I think it, it brings up a concept of function because, you know, what I get a lot that, that I hear, you know, is I hear about this concept uh, between um, clinical and functional. And I'm like, well, isn't it all functional? 
you know what I mean? And I'm not really sure the difference of that. I, I'll need to talk to a therapist someday to get up, to break down the difference between clinical and functional. I, I, I need to talk to, there's a, there's a, my friend, I have two friends that are rehabilitation therapists that work around rehab counseling, like for like, so people that like work with the, the wrong disability and mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to ask them about their relationship between rehab, between clinical, clinical and um, function. But I was like, but it all, but like, aren't we teaching functionality? Is it the end of the day? Like when, when we're healing, aren't we teaching like, like how increasing our functionality <laughs> to a certain degree to our own personal potential, you know? Yeah. I think everything is down to, yeah. Can it be functional? Does it work in your life? Does that work for you functionally? And then apply it. If it doesn't, okay, let's explore. How can yeah, we make it- everybody get to the same maybe not even the same place. Cause not everybody needs to get to the same place or the same end goal. Um, because everyone's end goal is different. That's what I would say. Everyone's personal potential, you know, reaching your own personal potential, you know, whatever that is, which by the way, I have to tell you when you were talking about coaching and teen girls, there was, I was watching, I forgot what, where it was, but I saw someone starting, there's more and more of these moms that are asking for like teen coaching, by the way, like teen girl coaching opportunities. So just, I'm just saying for like, then I was like, oh my gosh, I could totally just see when you said that Laura May doing something like that. <laughs> so we totally played with the ideas, maybe like, you know, some workshops, some things with the right. schools. I'm, I did it for two years at my school. And then obviously we got shut down with the pandemic, but right. I really think that starting that girls leadership group really propelled me into the coaching aspect because I was with these 10 girls once a week. We were like, what are our goals? What are we working through? What are our problems? And we were able to really get some work done um, and also make change throughout the school. These girls created and made their own community service projects, just helping them, just a small group, see their full potential. I was like, this is amazing. This should be in every school. And I'm like, I know adults that don't feel this way. You know, the right. adults that have lost that like idea of like a full potential or what can I do or having somebody Mm-hmm. you come an adult it's like oh you need to figure it out it's like no like me as a 28 year old I still need somebody to help me it's always and it's like even I don't feel like I need it an outside perspective from someone who gets it mm-hmm. is so powerful and so valuable oh my gosh a 200 percent. and I think that that's where the coaching can be really great I think because they're not a therapist you're not a teacher in that role, you know, you're kind of like a mentor, you're like a mentor to a certain degree, you know, with the coach title, you know, which I think is, um, is, I know mentors have their own thing, but like somewhere between a mentor and a coach, you know, I, which I think is really, is, is really cool. So, um, differentiation. So how do you feel like differentiation? Um, how about like an EFT, like in hypnosis, how can you differentiate with that? Like, how do you see that in your roles there? I think EFT is, there's so many ways to do it, you know, um, creating visual, it's very visual. It's very, you know, auditory, creating those, um, tools so they can see it being done, hear it being done. And then also just, you know, like we just did on our IG live, breaking Mm -hmm. down different types of suggestions you can do, or, you know, you had suggested like, maybe you're not even saying anything yet. Just practicing that physical aspect of tapping getting that where it's a tool that you have and then growing it. I think EFT is mm-hmm. super, you can do as many rounds as you want, as few rounds, make it as simple or as in-depth as you want it to be. Um, mm-hmm. EFT is boundless for that. And I think as far as hypnosis, a lot of that differentiation comes in the pre-work because mm-hmm. a lot of people are really nervous about hypnosis. There's a mm-hmm. lot of 
not I mean, not taboo, but just like they're like, oh, that's mind control, or that's or <laughs> what you see on you know movies, or in college there was a like stage hypnosis where you know you make you dance like a chicken, and people think that I'm gonna be like in control of that. And I think it's really just explaining, really just taking time, like, what are your questions? And that's a lot of the time I spend with people. Like, what questions do you have? What anxieties do you have around it? Because I had anxieties mm-hmm. around it. I had to, like, even before I learned it, I was like, I don't know about this. But I was able to learn that it's it's science. It's your subconscious mind. It's all about relaxing. You're in control the whole entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, before I do ses- like full sessions, we do uh, like short visualization um, activities or tests to just get them comfortable with mm-hmm. feeling relaxed and taking in suggestions. So I might just do one that has them, the, my favorite, we have them visualize going into their kitchen, grabbing a lemon and biting into that lemon. And if people can get really into it, there's people that are like, oh my gosh, I could taste the lemon. I could see it, but I couldn't taste it. And you can get an idea of how comfortable somebody is with letting go because it does, it does require you to let go and not give up control, but to just let yourself trust the process. And some people have a hard time with that. Um, and I think going through those different activities, showing them like, it's just like this, um, helps ease that because if they're not ready and we just jump into hypnosis session, it's not beneficial for anybody's time because they're right. they're in their head and they're like, oh, I'm worried that I'm going to be out of control. That's all they're going to be thinking about. So I think right. that um, I try to keep my scripts. Um, not, I don't do super long scripts. I split up the consultation so that I can build that rapport with them and build a relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. I know some, some practitioners they just meet the person session right then and there. For me, I know that that wouldn't work for me as a client to not feel like I, that no like trust factor with the person. So I always make sure to include that and then create scripts that are custom to the client versus just pulling a library from a library. Like, oh, they want confidence. Here's my confidence script. Um, really, I, I like it. And I know that that's what I would want as a client is making sure that this is for me um, and using my language because I think that's the most powerful. And that's how I run my practice is meeting with them, getting their language, their ideas, their wants, their desires, their transformation, and really creating a script based on them as an individual. Well, and then it's authentic, right? Because you're not, you're just saying, you know, like that's sometimes like why some of, you know, for me personally, I'm just speaking this is my, only my opinion, by the way, you know, like sometimes, you know, when I make some of those affirmations that we see, like some of those ones that are like, I am enough and all, and those, and those are all great, but like, I'm like, but sometimes those words don't, and I can totally tell him, oh my God, you can totally tell I'm an educator, you know, but it's like language and communication matter, you know? And I'm like, that's not my language. So I need something that's my language, you know? So I like that about hypnosis because there's, here comes the education overtones, you know, like we need something that's, that's that, that, that language that that's theirs. It's kind of like in speech, you know, when I work with speech therapists and interdisciplinary teams, it's like, you know, like I know that some places, by the way, SLPs, if you, if you like universal, um, 
whatever icons, it's great. And also there might be something specifically for children with that, um, that are um, neurodiverse, you know, that are more significant to them that have, a, that have the same meaning. Like not everything is going to mean this, you know, that like, this, you know, not everything is spoon may not mean eat for everyone. You know what I mean? Like for some people. And I know I, you know, and that's just kind of some like semantics and pragmatics and stuff like that, that I get into with, you know, when we look work as a team, but the idea is, is that like, what if something else that they use to eat is more meaningful for that symbol? Um, for those of us that work deep in special ed, what, and that's the same thing from like a differentiated. So people that are not learned, that are not, don't have verbal language might have a symbol for something that is, I didn't even know we were going to go here. My brain just went there. Like I was yeah, like, here, we're in it. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I can't believe we just, I just made that bridge, but, um, but you know, like for some people like in hypnosis that are like, you know, needing like, a, like an affirmation, like I am enough or like, I, you know, whatever it is, you know, um, you know, that same or finding language that's there is the same for a child, you know, someone who's um, part of the neurodiverse community that needs like a symbol or a picture that um, is symbolic to their experience of whatever we're talking about, <laughs> you know? No, totally. And I just had a client who, so I usually use the same induction script, um, which is just like the relaxation. I use the same one mm -hmm. usually with each client before I go into their custom script. And she told me, she's like, I wish the induction would have been a little bit more personal to me because it was about like a forest and stuff. And she lives in like a urban area. She's like, I don't even like, I'm not mentally attached to the idea of a mat, like this forest. And I was like, I didn't even think about that. And yeah. so realizing like those things. And like you said, uh, with affirmations, that's why like with EFT, that's, you know, giving a bunch of examples, choosing the one or writing mm -hmm. your own, like, what do you want to feel? Cause maybe you're not really even focused on like, I'm in control of my thoughts. Maybe the affirmation you're like, I take things one step at a time. Maybe that's what, you know, and I wrote out like 20 before I did my EFT and I, that's what I would suggest too, is once people get a hang of like EFT, when you do it for yourself, write out your own, create your own, or don't even mm -hmm. write them out. Just what, pick one and just focus on what is it, that one thing you want to feel because all in all, like this work that I do, whether it's teaching or coaching is not about me. Like I will right. show up, I will show up, I will give the tools that I have, I'll give the knowledge I have, and I will believe in that client, that student to the best of their potential. But at the end of the day, it's not about me and the ultimate transformation is not going to come from me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's the whole thing of the tool in the tool belt, right? Like how many tools can I give my students in order to make their, to help them be learners and how many my child learners and then how many tools can I give my adult learners <laughs> you know like it's there's the the thread <laughs> right and you know give you the best I got but at the end of the day you're gonna find what clicks for you what connects with you um I'm not a math teacher at all I don't know anything but I know that like there's multiple ways to figure out the same problem there's multiple right. ways. so whether it's a math problem whether it's determining the theme of a story or whether it's figuring out like why do I feel so overwhelmed in social environments whatever it is there's going to be specific ways for you to deal with that and you to figure out why it's that way for you and what works best for you 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I love, I love that, that, that differentiation. And I think that's something that, you know, we see, you know, we're doing, Natasha and I are doing our thing on universal learning on Tuesday and we're bringing that up. We're talking about the universal, just these universal things that we need just to be working with groups of people and one-on-one, right? And it's those differenti- and differentiation. I was like, if there's one thing, no matter who you're with, whether you're a doctor in a pediatrician's office, a coach, a yoga teacher, you know, what, you know, whoever, a therapist that does group work or and one-on-one, like we still need to have differentiation. Like that's the one thing I, over all the role, the roles I'm in, I'm like, I always, always differentiate, like always. Like, I don't know how to not do that <laughs> for myself, for others. I don't, I don't know how to not do it. And that's a good thing. I never want to not know how to do it. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's powerful. Like, I like how you said, like it's doctors, like my doctors for my chronic illness, like he's not going to deal with me the same way he deals with somebody else who might be in a different health level than me, a different you know, just complete situation, different progression level than I am. Mm-hmm. My plan is going to be different than someone else's. Um, just like a student's plan should be different. Every client's plan should be different. And I just see with coaches and with, you know, core curriculums that mm-hmm. people, people are put on this one way thing. Coaches saying this works for everybody. Every time I do this with every person, it works. And maybe it does, but I have a hard time thinking that every one specific path is going to work perfectly well, same result for every single person, just like the same curriculum, same health plan. Just... Like it's just, I don't see that as the best way to serve people. Exactly. Give them something you've already served someone else you know exactly oh my god because I mean that's how I feel about about like this is like in special ed like work like goal banks I'm like I see the point of goal banks and also you should still be flexible in the goal banks you know like goal banks are just like for those of you that like that's a deep special ed talk but like um which I don't even like the word special ed I've been using inclusion more like I I know I don't like it because it will like it's like they're not like we're not not we're not special we're including we're including like we're not setting apart we're bringing we're including thanks I was like Whew, we've got a long there's one thing 2020 2020 and 2021 has shown me is that we are is ironically as someone that works in inclusion how much we don't understand inclusion <laughs> you know? like, I'm I, like wow we don't know <laughs> <laughs> the more I've talked to you, the more I've talked to other people who are in, um, you know, work with like neurodiverse learners, mm-hmm. different types of coaches, different types of coaching. I'm just learning more and more like how I, as a person can be more inclusive in just my day-to-day interactions with people and how to help others see that that's not extra work. It's not like, I, you know, it's, taking a class learning inclusion, great, but it really, you don't need that. It's how do you just make this work for as many people as possible? And that's what we want. And so it doesn't need helping. I'm hoping that I can help my other educators, helping my clients, helping other coaches see that it's not this big extra thing you have to learn how to do. It shouldn't be the fact that people are having to learn inclusion and equity, that they're having to do big things shows like something went wrong. Some, something went wrong somewhere. Something went wrong somewhere. Yes. 
that's like the name oh my god that's like every day I'm always like like when I I I have you know I'll be absolutely I I just can't yes 200% and I I think that you know and and I and I don't like that in my jobs at least in my job you know I'm like I don't like that and, and it's not the general legend it's the system's fault you know and I don't like that you know I I come into some of these places and you know I'm like I'm like I me give me asking you to create an adaptation it should not be seen as extra work. Like we just need better instructors, like instructional, like that's what it is. I said, we need, we don't need, if you feel like doing an adaptation or making a difference for a group or for someone in your groups is more work, that doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. It means we need a different instructional approach. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to do something extra because that's always my cue for me. Whenever I feel like I, because I have to do that too. I have to do instructional stuff too. Whenever I feel like, some I someone's needs access needs are extra work for me that's a cue to me that I need to go back and reassess how I'm presenting the material or presenting the, the activity or the task that's the, the marker to me that ding 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 we're not doing this in the way that's that's the, that's the most um inclusive <laughs> right and like these are like that's a self-reflection point I feel like right. gonna, that's a privilege check Right. <laughs> that I feel like this is exhausting for me. Okay, what about the person that's going to benefit from that adaptation? How do you imagine yes. how exhausting you think it is that they don't have that yet? Yes, yes. You know, I was in a position um, the, actually a couple of days ago where I was, you know, I'm prepping for this inclusive learning um, slides thing that Nat and Natasha is, is visually impaired and the way we have to collaborate on things requires universal design all the time. And I like designed the whole presentation and usually I'm, I was, I'm able to give her the collaboration and I couldn't, I couldn't remember cause I was tired and exhausted last week. And I couldn't remember how I usually gave it to her. And I was like, so I just gave it to her in a PDF cause it usually works. But the way I designed it, she didn't even know what was going on. And so I was like, okay, I need to go back and I need to give, put the text in and put the text resources in without the images, which people do need, unfortunately, to get some of this through. But I need to put it in text format only so she can deliver the content in a way that serves her job, you know? And like, it was this whole, like, it was exhausting. And it, it took me three days to come to the, I was like, and she was like, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. I was like, okay, well, how can I get this information to you? So you can like, you're not just dependent on what I know and my ability, you know? And so I had to go back and rework it and I did. But like it did, it took me even in the planning of this thing we're doing on Tuesday to go back and have to like re like assess how I was, we were collaborating in this joint PowerPoint document, you know, and it's not extra work. It's just having to rework the time, right? Working, well, which is working. actually what you do in, which is what you do in coaching, by working the way, time what? management. Smart, smarter, not harder. Like things like when we're on a Zoom, um, there's tools that can have, Right now I could be speaking and it would run closed captioning for you. Like if you had oh, a hard by time. By the way, why isn't mine on, by the way? Not sure. <laughs> for some reason, my my closed captioning usually comes on, but um, it is not um, on right now. So I'll have to look in to see what happened with that. So <laughs> if I did need that, you know, there's closed captioning options. I even realized when I was creating um, some TikTok reels and it has um texts that come up i realize some people might not be able to read that well or oh. quickly why am i not using the 
text to speech do, option as do, well. Do you, do you see it? Do yeah. You see it now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's why because I'm on my app because normally I have it on my when I'm on my iPad I was like why don't I because I'm not on my computer normally on my computer it pops up like to start it and so that's why <laughs> that was like a game changer we all found out this year but yeah thinking even like to the smallest thing like a TikTok reel that's meant to be educational it's like I use yeah. text but I didn't use any audio and so it's like they have that on TikTok you can it's so easy to go text to speech and it'll read it out loud for you. So mm -hmm. there's ways like the simplest things we do in our day-to-day, -day, even just for fun, can be more inclusive mm -hmm. and can reach more people. So and that's the accommodation part. That's where I love accommodation. You know, and that's where people always like, what's the difference between a modification and accommodation? And I keep saying, this is my, this is my job. The good, you all, this is what I do every single day. And, um, but it helps so many people. And like, if you can, if you already do accommodations, every time you say, Suri, remind me to have coffee with Amanda at four o'clock on Tuesday. Suri, just put that on your computer, you know, like on my, my calendar, you can't hear her because, um, but like, she just put that on my phone. And for someone that may not, um, that is more oral, the typing is hard. They can just talk into that. And guess what? It benefits you it's access for them for their calendar for, for or, you know, to just show up to appointments, especially stu students with traumatic brain injury and other, you know, neurological challenges. I just have students that for them, typing is just so stressful that if the job of typing is within like, you need to type this paper, they'll shut down because they just have such a hard time typing. And I'm like, okay, you use speech to text. Like, you're still giving me your ideas. The kid is still doing what you're asking them to do mm -hmm. in a different way. And that's fine. Every student has access to that. That's, right. Yeah, that's an, like you said, that's like an accommodation. That's something that can be used to make something more accessible that requires no extra effort for me. Mm -hmm. And that right. can still feel successful. Cause I'm like, okay, you did text to our speech to text but you still need to go back and edit it. Cause we know that there, we can see now oh, it's always all a little bit wrong. So I'm like, okay, right. go, go read it to yourself out loud, fix it, you know? And it's, there's just, it's so much closer within our grasp to be not, maybe not fully, but way more accessible and make way more um, inclusion in all of our spaces, um, regardless mm -hmm. of what we do and who we interact with, then I think is shown like we said it just seems like it's something extra and it doesn't need to be if it's just how we function if we just make that the way we function well and the other thing i was you know i was thinking about is um what was i gonna say the other thing i was gonna say was um when you said that is like the universal the co the, the concept of need this is comes up all, the, all in my yoga classes and with my students um with uh dis with disabilities is the universal concept of a need, right? It's okay to have needs. And I think specifically in the world of like neurodiversity and disability is like independence. You know, I, I have to go, about, I go about this all the time in our social emotional learning and with people that are like, they need to be independent almost to the point that it's almost a psychological, like it's almost like abusive. And I'm like, we need interdependence. Okay. We need to go back and check, you know, like get these, get some of this, these skills back because everyone's like, they need to be independent. They need to be independent. And I'm like, well, they also can't do everything. 
Okay. Like if, pe if, if people with, with certain levels of need and access needs, like if our world was built in a certain way, they wouldn't have universally designed, they wouldn't have a need, but because of the way the system is designed, we have lots of needs. So to, to teach that, you know, our students need to be independent is ridiculous, you know, about everything. I was like, how about interdependence? That would be great. What can I do on my own? What, what are my skills and where do I need support? <laughs> and there's things we as adults, I, there's things I can and cannot do on my own. Maybe there's more things I can if I like really wanted to learn, but there are things I can and cannot do on my own. And I think the most powerful thing is teaching people to find the resources they need. Like as right. students, clients, like if you can't do it, or it's like, even a powerful thing is like, oh, when we have all these tasks, okay, what can be delegated, automated and removed using those tools that you have? It's all about mm -hmm. resource tools. None of us are independent. We all depend right. on something to function successfully. So say, thinking that a child or even an adult who might not even be neurodiverse, maybe one of my clients, doesn't need some kind of tool to help them be successful is just unrealistic. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's that universal concept of a tool, you know, like that's what I tell my students all the time when we do, do, do group work. I'm like, okay, the student over here needs low vision. Student over here needs, um, uh, word prediction. Okay. Guess what? It's still a need, right? The needs are different, but we all have tools, you know, that we need. And like that's universal tools for to access needs. Like, Hello, like that's like another universal thing with differentiation. That's it is everyone needs tools. The tools will be different. The tools might, you know, have a different spectrum to them between the accommodation or a modification, but they're all tools nonetheless, right? To make sure that we're getting what we need so we can live higher to our highest and best good. That is empowerment, <laughs> like making the, the access to tools empowering. It's not less than, it's not, what I, whatever, because they need something extra, it's empowering because they know how to find exactly what they need. And I feel empowered when I know exactly how to figure out a problem. So it's all about empowering others, whether it's my students, whether it's my clients, whoever I'm around, my goal is to just like empower them to see their potential, empower them to see what they already actually have, the resources they have, to do whatever it is they want to do. And if they don't have them, how to find those and tools to get there from A to B, regardless of who I'm working with, that's what I hope I right. give to others is that I differentiate to show them that it's gonna, your A to B is gonna look different than mine or my last 10 clients. Mm -hmm. But regardless, I want them to feel empowered that they are gonna get from A to B and that they either have the resources or they have the ability to find the resources they need to get there. Exactly, exactly, 200%. That's absolutely true. Well, awesome. Well, so is there anything you wanna end on here for the podcast? Um, no, thank you so much for having me. I love that we connected. I love that yeah. we are able to just, yeah, the education background that connected us on top of the EFT and just helping other people and this community that you've built, I think is, amazing and bringing the spotlight to this. So I'm so glad to be a part of it and connect here. Um, anyone who's listening, I'd love to connect further, whether it's just about EFT, anything I talked about today. Um, like I said, Larme, the activated life. If you're already following Julie and her networks, you'll be able to find your link, your way to me. So 
Thank you awesome. so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Don't hang up yet. Let me <laughs> um, stop the recording. Okay, awesome. Mm -hmm.